midfielder. Can he tee up someone in red? And it goes towards Lundgren! Hello and welcome back to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and I have Logan Stump Stop. and Matt Hartgrove. Hey there. And we're going over match week whatever this is. Five? <laughs> yeah, match week five. So we have uh, we have some games. Um, a lot of stuff has happened this weekend, actually. So we're going to get into all of that, and we're going to take a look ahead at next weekend and maybe a little bit of talk about the Champions League games that are coming up midweek. Um, let's see here. Uh, the first game of the weekend was Everton versus Liverpool. Uh, it was Nothing a two, in that game. Two, two two draw. It had everything you wanted into it, uh, except for and some stuff you didn't want in it. Um, it started at seven thirty Eastern time. It was on NBC Sports Network. Three minutes in, Sadio Mane scores for Liverpool. Nineteen minutes in, Keane scores for uh, Everton. Seventy-two minutes in, Salah scores for Liverpool. Eighty-one minutes in, Calvert Lewin scores for Everton. We have a 90-minute Richarlison red card for Everton, and then a 90-plus two-minute Henderson goal for Liverpool that is VAR reviewed and deemed offside. We also had Virgil van Dijk injured early in the first half, and Thiago injured in that Richarlison tackle. Woo! Uh, We predicted, Logan, you predicted a 3-1 Liverpool win, so did Matt with a hat trick for Mane, and uh, I predicted a 3-1 Everton result with a hat trick. Uh, none of those happen. So, uh, it, you know what actually happened is what, <laughs> Matt, you always say happens. A 2-2 draw for Everton. But uh, <laughs> I guess let's start off with uh, Logan. We'll start with you, Logan, and we'll kind of ease our way over to Matt and his reactions. Um, <clears throat> uh, your thoughts on this Everton-Liverpool matchup. So I'll take Everton because I know Matthew will take Liverpool and um, sadness ensues. But uh, I'm I'm watching Everton play, and I think Matt alluded to this somewhat last week, and I know he's talked about it in the text. But Everton gets into it with some of the big boys, and I'm not sure they're quite where they need to be. I mean, they, they've played really well up to this point, and you know they haven't dropped anything until now. But I, I think when you watch them play against Liverpool, you can tell Liverpool's got a better squad. Now, obviously things change, injuries happen, but 
Um, aside from that, I think that when you look at Everton, even when you're watching like Tottenham and Chelsea or even United at some points, um, you really start to see maybe where Everton might be lacking in, in some spots. I think that you see uh, a defense that's not quite as good against top clubs. And I think that once they do start to play more teams that are up in the top four, I think that they'll tend to struggle some. And, you know, I think that they can still challenge for the top four. But I think watching them play, uh, the one that I'm just really impressed with all the time is um, Calvert-Lewin and the way that he's been able to score. I think he's scored in every single game. And it's the first time since like the 1930s that uh, an Everton player has scored in the first five games. And, you know, with his scoring ability, I'm sure it slows down. And I'm sure Everton slows down with him. And I'm not sure they quite got the pieces besides the three that they brought in to really put, you know, push and punish the top four. That'll be standing at, you know, at the end. But uh, God, who knows? I don't know what the top four even is now. I'm so confused by the season and I'm sure we'll get more into that. But Everton, I'm not as impressed as I thought I would be uh, with the way that they played against Liverpool. I'm actually more impressed by them, but let's get over to let's get over to Matt. As a Liverpool fan, I'm Matt, I want to know why you're more impressed by them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'll go into that after after we let you off yeah. here on a on a le- off the leash for a nice long mm-hmm. Matt rant. You know, I don't I don't even think it's as much of a rant as just kind of going through the stages of the game and and what it almost feels like it means in the broader picture of just football itself, but. The game-wise, I mean, two to two, none of the goals were controversial. You know, they're just general good play. Honestly, I think if if anything, Everton's goals in a normal game, if Allison is in there, I don't see Everton scoring either of those goals. Um, just based off of the instinct and skill Allison has compared to Adrian, um, you can you can watch both of those goals, and the first one goes off his hands. Honestly, I've never seen Adrian parry a ball off his hands in that kind of scenario, but Allison will tend to get it done in every game I've watched him. He has a few, pretty much every few games, you'll see at least one or two of those. Um, The second one, just really bad defense, honestly. Gomez was ball watching, and honestly, if if I had to say it, normally you're going to see Allison come out and catch that. Um, If he doesn't catch it, generally Van Dyke is going to be heading it away, which is another issue that obviously happened in the game where he was no longer in it. Um, So, I mean, that's where I I think I kind of alluded it. I know Logan kind of brought up the text, but like I, to me on Everton's side, this is the perfect game for them to should have won. And the fact that they didn't, and to be fair, I didn't think they looked all that impressive while doing it. It just makes me wonder how good are they really? Are they definitely are a top seven team in the Premier League with how this year's going? I wouldn't be shocked, but a top two or three, even four, I, I don't still see it. I know they've started really well. However, regarding the situation, you know, Allison is out. Uh, Van Dyke goes out in the ninth, tenth minute, and from there, I, none of the players besides Calvert Lewin and Dinier, I. I don't see where they're that impressive. I know James Rodriguez had an assist off of the corner, and I think he actually played the ball before Dinier's assist. 
but I felt like I was watching him constantly on the ground. He is slower than most of the players, so I don't think he's really should be playing up top. He really should be in the midfield to begin with. Um, I felt like Allen was like a designated fowler. He just, I every time a whistle blew, I felt like I was watching him foul somebody. And I know it's a derby, and these are definitely more physical. Um, and then Richarlson as well. I, you know, he he had a couple of shots to to pretty much kind of put them in the lead and he just kind of missed. And then in the end, you know, I saw a stat where he's already has three straight red cards in his career and his, his tackle was just ridiculously stupid. That was an awful play. And, you know, luckily Tiago sounds like he's actually coming away with it without getting hurt. But if you look at the stills, like he went studs right into his knee and his knee bent the same way Van Dyke spends. Um, so it just to me, this was the game Everton should have finally beat Liverpool, especially with it being at Goodison Park, where if you look at the stats, and this is what's shocking to me, those two goals they scored were the first goals that Everton have scored at Goodison and a derby since 2015 when Lukaku scored in a draw. Liverpool's score of that game was actually Danny Ings. So that was actually kind of funny to see those two guys as the goal scorers. Um, but in the before in the last 10 games, which if I counted correctly was the 10 after their last win, which was also at Goodison, but these, and these are all at Goodison. There's been 10 games. Eight of them have been draws two Liverpool wins. And of those eight draws, four of them were scoreless. And actually of those four, three of them were the last three games they played. So it just felt like, the same type of game except Everton played a little bit more attack minded which plays more into Liverpool's hands with scoring um, and, and like I said honestly I don't think those goals happen in a certain in normal scenarios I actually think they do get stopped um, but I know the biggest thing about this game was clearly two controversial calls <laughs> um, with Van Dyke's. you know I, I it sounds like a lot of people initially said, and I even saw it, and, and I think I sent it to you guys, that they didn't look for it on VAR. But it sounds like they did and deemed it not a serious foul play where he deserved to get any type of foul against him. And I think that, it, I really think that's borderline just stupidity among the officials. You know, I, I don't see how you can see that tackle, whether he's offside or not. He goes two feet in, one foot up, doesn't get anything of the ball, really. In any type of scenario, if that's in the middle of play, they're giving that player a red card, and it, it would be a straight red. I don't even think they would have to go through VAR to even make it like a yellow into a red. I think the ref gives it a straight red. And obviously, it, it's it's awful to see Van Dyke out because he has what everyone is saying medically is that he has the worst type of ACL tear um, that you can get. So hopefully, I mean, it, it's going to be weird to not see him play for, it sounds like six to eight months sounds like a good estimate. And even then it, it sounds like it's going to take a while for him to really get his fitness back to what he was. It, this sounds like a similar injury that I read that Bellerin had. And he's saying that it took him 18 months to really feel back to normal. Um, and so that's, it's, it's awful to see a player in this stage of his career. He's 29, you know, he's, he's going 
for a center back, he's in the prime of his career, and hopefully he can get back onto form before he's closer to the downside of his career. And hopefully he can see it one day and, and see that form again. Um, but not only to see it in real time and then see replays and to not even consider it a penalty or any type of foul is just shocking. And initially when I heard the offside thing, the offside rule, I was like, well, in that instance, every player in the Premier League, if they're assuming offside, you might as well just go in and tackle them like American football or just like punch them or something. Cause if it's offside, you get away with it. And it's, it, it was frustrating to see the Mane one is, I I know Jordan. I know you see as offside. I personally still haven't, or you see it as on or offside. I still, when I'm looking at photos and how they are drawing the lines, I still don't see where they're seeing it. Um, and I know you had. I think you either retweeted or liked the tweet of a ESPN writer kind of going through a thread. I haven't. Yeah. He was. I think he was really from my end of Twitter. I think he's one of the first ones I've seen besides Everton fans. And even half of them are kind of on the line of we got lucky. That was probably a goal um, to really show or kind of give any explanation as to where they see it being offside. Majority I've seen is onside um, because to me, it still looks onside. I, and even then, the ruling they apparently stated is that if, if you have to second guess or question or get that detailed into it, apparently they have been told not to to overturn in that instance, I guess similar to maybe in American football where if there's not conclusive evidence on say a challenge, you really can't overturn it. And I, with how minimal the the area is that you could maybe see it being offside. I think I can't see where you have definitive proof that VAR is for blatant mistakes. And I don't see where that offside was a blatant mistake to, to overturn it. I mean, it's like, can't do anything about it now obviously you wish you could get the three points but i don't know it's just it's it's a little it's frustrating to see how var is being used and that's another thing i keep seeing is that var itself it's not the technology that's being that's not really working well it's the refs in charge of it the people in charge of it because it seems like the biggest controversies are coming out of the premier league and to be fair, I'd, I saw a funny joke somewhere where somebody said, this is why you never see England officials in like the World Cup for, you know, in Champions League games. I, I They obviously do, but it's it was just kind of, it made me laugh a little because it was like. Yeah, they don't get the big games usually. Not since yeah, Howard like, Webb retired. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you know, they're, they don't, I don't think the FR, I don't think FIFA does that on, you know, by accident. They clearly are watching this. And the other problem is that you see the guy who was VAR, I think his name's David, I don't know how you say his last name, I'm going to say Kute or Coot. Probably um, Coot. If you saw, he is, it seems like in terms of VAR, he might be one of the worst ones they have. They're, they were showing, um, I think his most recent one was, and Jordan, you might know, remember it more than me, but it was La Celso. <laughs> yeah, and he overturned, was it overturning a red card or not giving the red card um the failure to send off lo Ceslo. so he didn't it was the same exact circumstance pretty much where he did not uh get a uh he did not look at it and think that it was a red card just like the issue with pickford yeah and so that, i mean it's there's a lot of it that it just seems like the people using this technology aren't running it 
to proper lengths. And this is what's causing so many controversies. And this game, obviously, in terms of why Van Dyke's situation is obviously being, you know, brought almost into the main spectrum of, you know, the sports universe, it seems like, is that it, it led, that kind of tackle led to a season ending and possibly, and obviously you don't hope so, but it can be a career altering injury. And you look at the tackle and go, how could you not penalize somebody for that? And when you have, you know, the second, third view that you can take, because I know there's definitely times and I most likely every other sport that you would love to really see more angle after angle. And, you know, there's certain times you can't do that. You know, football can't always challenge. You can't always challenge a play if you're out of challenges in certain time frames. You know, but soccer has this, uh, you know, soccer has this chance to look at it. And I think that one bothers me more than the Mane one. You know, it it is what it yeah. is. But I think in the end of it, Pickford, you know, whatever. I didn't really care what they did afterwards. And honestly, Pickford playing might be better for the other teams because I I still think he's awful as a goalkeeper. Um, I don't see any other goalkeeper making a challenge like that. And I don't know how you can defend a challenge like that. It just looked incredibly, incredibly stupid. And it didn't, he didn't do it with intent. Like, there's no way I would assume he did it with intent. But to go into a challenge like that, you're not really asking for anything else than I hope I do whatever I can to maybe I don't get a penalty from this. Maybe I don't get a red card. And it goes, yeah. it's, it's like closing your eyes and, you know, just trying to swing a bat and try to hit something, you know, it's just like you tried his best to hope the worst outcome wouldn't happen. And somehow the worst outcome did happen, but he wasn't penalized for that. And it's just, I think that's where this game it's, it's being brought <clears throat> further attention and it's, it, it's frustrating to see. And it, it's, I don't know how Liverpool are going to handle the injury. You know, they got right now at this point, two healthy center backs. <laughs> um, so it'll be interesting to see them going forward. I'm really intrigued the next four games just to see how they set up and play. Because, um, to be honest, they should be winning their next four games. Nothing against the other teams they're facing. But, you know, these are games that if you're going to win the Champions League and Premier League, you need to win these next games in the league. So it'll be nice to see what they do. But, yeah, I mean, that's my full thoughts on both of these teams. And, you know, hopefully... Hopefully the next derby doesn't result in situations like this. Yeah, I think for Pickford, it's one of those where he's probably psyching himself up for this big game. Um, and uh, that early in the game, it's probably like one of the first challenges he had to come out for. And he just botches it uh, totally. Um, yeah. I mean, and that challenge, I mean, if obviously Van Dyke still gets hurt, but if in, in general theory, if you look at it and go, you know, this is definitely, if if it's not a red card, you know, it, maybe it's the penalty. I mean, I don't know the rules or yeah. maybe in full, or, but that changes the entire game. Even if it's just a red card, that changes the whole game. Everton's now down one. They're already, they're down a player. They're down a goal. Right. Yeah, Van Dyke's out, but, you know, you, you fall behind a person, one player against a team like Liverpool, and they still have talent. They still have world-class forwards, world-class midfielders. You really probably look at the end of that game, and it probably ends three, four nil. You know, and it just it, it that whole. I think that play just changed the whole complexion, and it's it's sad to see that kind of situation occur. Um, 
Yeah. So what I was uh, going to say here with, uh, because I know you said that, you know, this is the perfect chance for Everton to finally win another one of these games, especially at Goodison. Uh, I don't know if they need to. I know, like, maybe to get the monkey off of their back at some point. But, I mean, this was the first game that they didn't win this year. Uh, It's still against the winners of the league from last year. It's against their rivals. And it's a result. They didn't lose. They got 2-2. So, I feel like, yeah, they may not have played great. Um, James... uh, he was just playing in Chile like three days before that. So like he's, he's probably exhausted from uh huge travel, um, which I think that's probably one of the furthest ones because I don't, I don't know how many players were playing for any of the South American teams, um, especially in uh, the Premier League. I'm not sure, but you know, he, he had to go uh, way far out to Chile uh, and played, you know, like, pretty much three days before um, this game. So if he looked a little slow or if he, you know, was rolling around on the ground one, he was just playing in Kona Bowl and they do that all the time. So <laughs> he's probably adjusting back to the Premier League. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, for, for Everton, yeah, you would probably want to win this one, especially when Virgil van Dyke gets off the field early um, and you got away with the, what could have been a red early on. But um, for me, I I think if I'm an Everton fan, it's all right. We drew against the league leaders. Uh, We've won all of our other games. We're in a pretty good spot still. I mean, I feel like especially three minutes in when Mane scores, that could break a team that could just break a team. And they come back and they, uh, they equalize then they give up the goal to Salah in 72 minutes, and I was actually thinking, all right, Everton's going to lose now. And then 81 minutes in, Calvert-Lewin scores, and it just showed a lot of heart to to come back and uh, score some of those goals. Yeah, they may not have happened if Allison was in, but you can only play what's in front of you at, at that time. <clears throat> um. That VAR thread you were talking about was Dale Johnson. So for people that don't know, one, he does these threads like every week, and they're really informative. They're really great. If you need to follow him on Twitter, it's at Dale Johnson ESPN. So last year they based everything off of armpits because you could not even use like, you know, like the the top of your arm, the shoulder as as part of playing the ball. So like pretty much where your armpit was was the cutoff line of what um, of what you could use on your body. And the way that offsides is calculated is by, you know, a part of your body that is past another part of, you know, like the last part of the defender's body. <clears throat> so in the Virgil van Dyke instance, uh, when he was offside on the tackle that knocks him out of the game, uh, his kind of like top of the arm. So like this cutoff pretty much happens where the Premier League patch is on the shirt. So pretty much if any of that part from like where the sleeve of the shirt ends and where that patch is, if that is leaning off sides, that's a part that can play the ball. So now you're off sides. So both of these off sides with Virgil van Dyke and with, uh, the Mane would have been onside last year because they used the armpit last year and it was a lot, it was a lot easier. But since they changed what is a handball, 
it threw off the offside rule now. Um, so that's part of the part of the problem. Um, I know Matt, you were having trouble seeing this, but when I look at it, the part of the patch, the Premier League patch for me, for Mane is past the butt and the toe of the two other defenders, which is now for some insane reason, not a handball and part of what you could play the ball with. So that now makes him offside. Uh, His arm is tucked in. So he would have been onside because of no armpit being offside, but it's really the way for anybody that's anybody that's out there who doesn't know that that changed. Cause I did have some people tweeting me yesterday. Really? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. On one of the, on one of my personal ones, Somebody like posted the FA rules where it says no part of the arm or the hand of the player should be considered offside. And then I just responded to him with one of Dale Johnson's tweets. <laughs> and I was like, here you go. I'm not going through it with you, buddy. Here you go. So um, <clears throat> because uh, I'm not sure when that, you know, if the FA updated their thing right or, you know, technically that part of the arm, you know, like. They mean, maybe they mean like the arm from lower down is not considered it, but because handball is changed, it changes what's playable, which then changes offsides. And I think the best way that you can do this, I think, just get rid of this, make offsides be like daylight between the defender and the attacker. Meaning that, like in this instance, Mane would have to be totally behind them with a gap of grass between them for him to be offside. Uh, that would give us more goals. It would give us, um, uh, you know, more leniency on some of these things. And yeah, there would still be some like millimeter decisions, but you're not going to have this many millimeter decisions where you're like, okay, how much more onside can you be? Or like, that I think that could work. Logan, do you have any thoughts on if there was daylight between defender and attacker? Does that make it better? Yeah, I'm almost in the the thought process of like, you know, he's in such an unassuming position as an attacker at that point. When you look at Mane's back, like he's got his back in that back, like what you said, that shoulder is facing, I mean, he's facing towards the midfield with no clear advantage, I think that's something that's got to change with if they're going to keep using this. Because I think you can clearly see that he's got no advantage on the defender. And to be honest, the more that I look at it, it is really, really close to like what you said, Jordan, millimeters and what yeah, Matt said. Like, how can you make that call? I mean, it's his t-shirt. Like, if the wind's blowing in an opposite direction, does it have any, you know, stuff like that. Right, like, you're getting into right. like a Oh man, I don't know. His snot, the snot coming out of his nose might be reaching that point. Um, I, I don't like the rule. I don't like the way that it's set up. But then again, I don't really like the way V, like VARs used at all. So, I mean, it's getting to a point of we're nitpicking and, you know, comparing it to other sports. It's kind of annoying that they, that they can do this so many times and, and make these calls on, you know, inconclusive evidence. Really, honestly, that's what it comes down to. And that's what I think, too. Like, if you make it where you, you have you have to be like a gap between you and the defender to be caught off sides, that's going to give the advantage to more attacking, which is then going to give us um, more uh, more goals. 
and it's not going to be these like really rough calls. I don't think like, you know, in that instance, then like his whole body would have to be past the defender, but maybe even if he has one foot in line with the defender, then he would be onside, you know, like if you change the rule like that and it would be more exciting because you wouldn't have these type of decisions with it being millimeters, which technically is the correct call. But if I am the VAR ref, I don't know if I call this. I don't, I mean, it is so minimal that like you said, he's not even facing like he's on going to make a run. Uh, he's in no advantage. Like there has to be some common sense with some of this stuff and not just, they're looking at it too much by the letter of the law instead of, instead of, you know, calling it off common sense, off the eyeball test of, okay, he's, yeah, he can make a quick turn run behind him and that's what he does, but it's, there's got to be common sense with this stuff as well. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you actually, I, I, I don't know how true it is, but I heard it on a, a NFL game that, you know, the holding call in the NFL has become to a point where they told refs, you know, if it's, if it's not affecting play, you know, if it's on the other side of the field, you know, it, it you don't have to call it because it's not affecting anything in terms of what. Unless happening. if it was the Ravens Eagles game, then they were calling every <laughs> single thing. That's <laughs> because the Ravens were on discipline. That's a whole other issue. So are the Eagles. Um, but the other thing I, I don't like about VAR is when I, the one thing is I see all these pictures where the lines are drawn and I, I get confused because if you look at the line that's being drawn as compared to the field, the lines are not the same. They're not going the same way. They're not parallel. So is that how it's supposed to be? Because when you see the goal, when you see the, the six, not the six chair, but when you see the, the goal box, the, yeah. the one Monet's closest to, it's at an angle where the other line is, is straight. So then I, I wonder, is that is that how it's supposed to be? Or is that like how they determine it? Because they in, use, in terms they, of perspective, they, it can be. Yeah, and this is what Dale Johnson says as well, is that it's very hard to tell on this stuff with the 2D. Uh, you know, when you're seeing a 2D image. But that the way that the system that they use and everybody uses in like all these leagues has some sort of like, uh, uh, it's some sort of 3D software that is able to accurately do that. So it is supposed to, that is a straight line, but the angle of the camera that we're looking at at, and the way that it's positioned on the field is making it look not so. It's making it look really odd, very weird. Yeah, so like in Champions League, like if you're watching Champions League on CBS, I don't know if you guys remember this, but they were doing the thing like what George was talking about, where it kind of takes that camera and it rotates it and it throws you like in towards the the action. And you can see, I wonder if like if they had that ability to the fans at home, like if you had the ability to show them because VAR, that's what they said. They said VAR is seeing something different than you are at home. I wish there was a way to have that put up so that way at least you could tell, even if it was after the fact. It's also a little, I guess at this point, like when in terms of talking about the two incidents, based off of what they've come out and said, it's not even like the Van Duck being onside offside matters at this point anymore because it doesn't. No, he can for, still review it. Yeah. So it's like they still looked at it and said, no matter what, this wasn't a red card. And so at that point, it's like I've completely, I don't even like 
when I'm looking at it, I don't even have much of an opinion on the Van Dyke one because I'm like, they already said it didn't matter. You know, he's already right. Whether or not, if anything, that would have just made it more worse because you would have been like, so he can he's on signed and now you can do that. And there's been, you know, I, I go on to different message boards and there's like a ton of Everton fans saying that like, you know, Pickford's challenge wasn't that bad. You know, that's how a goalkeeper is supposed to do it, and they're supposed to go for the ball in that. They're instance. supposed it's to like, get the not, ball. <laughs> it, but it's it's not even the fact of going for the ball. It's how he went in with his feet. He yeah. went in with two feet and. Honestly, like I, I personally, the, the difference between his and Richarlison's challenge was the fact Richarlison hit him with the studs right into his knee. And so it's like he made contact with the leg with his foot, whereas Pickford went and had his whole body weight, but his legs never hit him. He just slid I, right in. And I think I part know, of the problem is that he's a goalkeeper. And for some reason, there's a lot more leniency and protection of goalkeepers than the other players. And the fact that he's also England's number one could have something to do with it. I'm not sure, but... England better uh, change if they ever want to freaking <laughs> win anything. He used to be better. I don't know what exactly uh, has gone on with him. He recently. made a couple of nice saves, you know, other than the fact that he, you know, also you know, destroyed the leg of a six foot four Dutch man, you know? Um, so I guess let's move on. We've been on this for a half hour, so I guess we should probably move on to another game. <laughs> um, the, uh, the next game is Chelsea three Southampton three. That was at 10 o'clock on Saturday. Also on NBC sports network, 15 minutes in Timo Werner gets his first goal for Chelsea. 28 minutes in, he gets a second goal for Chelsea in a, a Premier League goal. He scored some in the cup. Um, 43 minutes in, former Liverpool legend Danny Ings scores for Southampton. Uh, 57 minutes in, Adams scores for Southampton. And that was just a mess at the back from Kurt Zuma uh, trying to get it over to Keppa, And then Keppa coming way out to try to get it. And then he even like slides back towards the post and it's a mess. Um and then 59 minutes in, Havertz scores. And that went from Pulisic to Werner to Havertz. And then 90 plus two, Vestergaard scores um, off of a Theo Walcott cross for Southampton to equalize. Now, can you guys stop telling me to believe in Chelsea? <laughs> no. Logan, Logan <laughs> your thoughts Chelsea. on Chelsea versus Southampton? Uh, at this point, Jordan, I think it's a free for all for anybody in the league, really. But uh, I, I, I do think that Chelsea—you saw how capable they are on the attack, and the way that they play defense obviously is not great. But you can't. One, I don't know why Kepa gets a start over Mindy. I don't know if Mindy was hurt or you know. Mindy like, was hurt. I think Mindy yeah. was hurt. Um, yeah. Or dead. Or dead, really. Um, if he was hurt, hell, I'd just put him out there in a chair or something, let him try to... Because <laughs> uh, anytime Kepa gets near the ball, it's like these... It's like uh, deer in headlights. His eyes get real big. And he's like, oh, crap. Uh, that whole Zuma thing was insane. I was like, what is he doing? Half the time, I don't know what he's what's going on. Like, there's something wrong, something weird in the water about, you know, defenders and keepers. Like, I don't know what's happening. And I don't know why Chelsea didn't go spend a ton of money on, like, Pope or somebody if they were going to spend all, all this money. Because it doesn't um, matter. It's the Lampard's it, defense. It doesn't matter. I don't matter. think so. Like, Kepa, 
like there's some things that Kepa does that are I think it makes the defenders like oh crap. Uh, and but then they went out still, and got Mendy, and we still have some of these. Yeah, issues. but I I think that it's better with him back there. I don't think Kepa ensues any kind of confidence in the defense. Once they're by the defense, it's like the defense goes. I need to exaggerate every move I make because there's no way he's stopping anything. Then why did Zuma try to pass it back to him? It's so well, he's stupid. an idiot. So like, <laughs> I you're better off playing three at the back and saying good luck to you. Um, I I don't know. Like, yeah, I agree with you that, that obviously Lampard's got some issues with defense. But again, he was a midfielder. How what the hell does he know about defense? Um, Hire somebody that knows something. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Jordan, I think what I would like Matt and I talk about is the fact that your attack can be so much more dangerous than it already looks that it's scary. Like City hasn't played defense for like years and have won titles. I'm not worried so much about Chelsea's defense when you've got, you know, three guys up top that are just insane, uh, you know, running the midfield. Timo Werner and Pulisic running around, that's just not fair. There's more pace on that side than I've ever seen. Uh, And I just don't see anybody being concerned with the fact that Chelsea's defense is going to be mediocre because that's what will happen. They'll get better. And by the end, you know, in December, they're going to be fine. And your attack will make up for anything that they lack i don't know I mean, we scored three goals this game and that was that was all right but uh we can't really we scored three goals against uh what west brom and they still drew that one three three like the the defense is really what's holding this team back uh spoiler alert chelsea's in eighth place currently um on a season that's totally up for grabs if the defense was sorted out you know there could have been some uh some chance at winning a title um i mean matt i would even take up your backup center backs right now um, <laughs> um do you want to know their ages <laughs> no but i mean you probably don't even want to give any up right now anyway because you got uh, so many problems with injuries right now no. um uh, to the point <laughs> the next game was manchester city one arsenal nil uh, twelve thirty p.m. on NBC. I missed the only goal on this one. Uh, Raheem Sterling twenty three minutes in for Manchester City. Uh, Matt, any, any thoughts on this? I you were were you driving at this point or? Uh no, we hadn't left yet. But it was okay. like the last. Uh, it was like the last lunch we were having before we headed out. So I didn't get. I'm not gonna lie. The, most of the games I've seen highlights and minimal highlights at best besides the Wolves Leeds game. Um, but I, that's I all I pretty much see. Um, I actually did get to watch the last, I think about 40 minutes of this game though, because we had gotten home um, and we're eating lunch at the time. But I, I know Logan kind of, Logan and I kind of said it in the, in the text, but you know, our, our personal are boring. They went from super exciting to just, it's like they just want to get through the game and not make any errors. But at the same time, when you try not to make any errors, they're not really attempting anything to to get over the top. And reading some of the Arsenal message boards, it's like, you know, they, they mentioned their need for creativity because if, you know, Aubameyang doesn't show anything on a, on a specific day, they really don't have any shot at, at scoring at that point. And you would think going to the Etihad and being and losing one nil, you feel like you should be kind of looking at it going like, 
you know, that means I, I when you go to Manchester City and you lose one nil, something was there for the taking. And clearly whatever they had game plan did not go for it. Um, while they're still better than, you know, over half the teams in the Premier League, you know, they're definitely not worse than the, the 11th best team or the 10th best team. I think against these big teams, you're going to see why they still need some players. Hardy was a, as a nice player, but he's more, you know, defensive minded until they get that creative midfielder. Um, and I honestly don't think Awar is going to end up going there because next year teams are going to have money to spend again, most likely. So you're probably going to see big names going to teams that they weren't rumored, but you know, they just, they're not going to be able to beat these top, really the top six teams. I just think they don't have it in them yet. No, it's definitely a process right now. Uh, Logan, your thoughts as a city fan, um, why couldn't you score more? Come on, you were just telling me how great your attack was. Who? Yeah. <laughs> um, when Aguero comes back, uh, it definitely changes the complexion of the way it goes. And I, I think part of the problem was Arsenal, I, like Matt said, I have never seen a team camp so much more than Arsenal did. Every single time that one of the attacking players got it on City, anybody over that half line they were dropping six back to their back line and just sitting. I mean, it was like, okay, so <laughs> we have to be really tactical about how we break this down. And when you don't have David Silva and you don't have Kevin De Bruyne anymore, you can't really get into that middle and really be effective, uh, which was part of the struggle of it. Uh, Sterling, like, play. it was a really weird, like, the formation, if you go back and look at it, and I'm looking at, like, Twitter blow up, and they're like, what in the hell is this formation? So at times, like, they had a three in the back, City did, and then Cancelo, who is a left back and right back, like, he would drop and they would rotate around in circles and Rodri would drop back. So it was like a constant shift. It was the best defense that City's played in a really long time, and I think part of it's with Diaz being in that middle. But, you know, City had to rely on so much of their defense because it was like, okay, well, if they're just going to try to counterattack the whole time, then we all have to somewhat get back quickly. And Kyle Walker played well. Ake played well. But again, I think that, you know, I'm happy with the result because at least the defense looked good. And with Kevin De Bruyne, that game's probably three or four nothing. Um, just because of the, the chances that he's able to create, it, it really shows. If he were to go down, it's kind of like Van Dyke. If he were to go down, I, I, I City would beat teams, but uh it's not as easy uh without him so you know looking forward i i like what i saw and i like that you know when kdb comes back uh at the beginning probably next week um i think their attack will be fine i think that you know i, I like our position especially now with liverpool you know if not unfortunately lost van dyke but i think that gives city a, a chance all right, over to your crosstown rivals, Newcastle 1, Manchester United 4. Uh, that was at 3 p.m. on Peacock. Two minutes in, it's a Shaw own goal for Newcastle, and it seemed like everything was going right for Newcastle and right for everybody that hates United. But uh, <laughs> unfortunately, Harry Maguire scores 23 minutes in. Uh, we get a Fernandez goal 86 minutes in, Juan Basaka 90 minutes, and 90 plus 6 is Rashford. But the streak is dead. Bruno Fernandez misses his first top flight penalty 
ever since 2016 when he started taking them. Um, uh, 58 minutes in when a penalty is called and he steps up and it's saved uh, by Newcastle. But uh, I, I don't know if there's much to really say about this game. Uh, Maguire, you know, trying to come out of his slump, gets a nice header uh, goal. Um, I, um, anything? Yeah. I was on the road at this point. We were on a lovely journey to try to find free air for one of our tires in the rental because it like dealt with cold weather. So it was you know, like, oh, low tires. Oh, yeah. And I found out that the so the rental we had, I guess, like when you plug the phone in, <laughs> mm-hmm. you can like you can't read your text messages, but like you can click on a text group. And I knew that United had scored because I went to our text message and the last text Logan said, I think it was like, damn it. And the car literally, the <laughs> phone person just was like, from Jordan and Logan. And it was like, Logan Stump replied, damn it. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I was driving. So I was like, Rachel, like, can you, I was telling her how to get to the ESPN app. I was like, can you go click on this, click on this. And I was like, what's the score? And she was like, it says, you Newcastle won. Manchester United too, and I was like, "Damn it!" <laughs> Same reaction. <laughs> Same reaction. Yeah, I will say, uh, United's four-one looks a lot better than that what the was. game was. Oh, yeah. oh my god! Uh, I mean, not just because I'm a City fan, I would be really concerned if I was a United. Like their attack looks so like clunky, and uh, when Fernandez doesn't, you know, get penalties all the time, they really do have a hard time creating chances. I mean, Harry Maguire's header, he was wide open. Um, I, and the way he's been playing on defense, hell, he, you know, he neutralizes any goals that he scores. But I don't, I would be very concerned if I were United just because I, I think they lack that creativity just like Arsenal do. I, I think that there's a big problem in their midfield that they haven't quite figured out. Pogba throws a fit every time that he gets taken off or goes on. It's a weird dynamic. Um, and I, I just, with Van, Van de Beek there, it's just a weird collection of players. And then you add Cavani to it. I don't know. It's very confusing. I don't get it. I really don't. Van de Beek's got to be really upset, man. He barely oh, yeah. plays. And, right. uh, I mean, who was playing ahead of him? Daniel James, I think. It's, yes. it's just, it's ridiculous yep. for somebody that's supposed to be a top player. Um, I don't know what Scholzgar is doing, but. <laughs> I know a lot of fans are not happy with yeah. uh, Van de Beek not playing, too. Uh, Sunday at 7 a.m., we had Sheffield United versus Fulham. And 77 minutes in, Lookman scores for Fulham. And then 85 minutes in, we get a penalty kick for Sheffield. Sharp converts it. Uh, Sheffield's in some real trouble, aren't they, Matt? Sorry, I was grabbing a snack. <laughs> 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 yeah he doesn't uh, think they, so no uh, yeah you know it i i think it's kind of maybe mentioned it a little earlier in the year where i i didn't think they were going to have the same type of year they had last year i i don't think i w- would have assumed that they were going to be i think it, are they are they in last at this point i haven't looked at the table just out of pure sadness uh but, it's the same uh bottom three in the same order but they all now have one point so Sheffield's a 19. Oh, okay. So, you know, that they don't have a, they don't have anyone on that. There's nobody on that team 
I, you know, I see the lineups, you know, I go on Twitter, I'll see the lineups and I'm like, I'm, first off on Sheffield, I, I don't even know if I could tell you half their players or if they're not literally all brothers. Cause to me, they're all the same bearded man. Like just again and again, um, you know, Brewster hopefully can do something for them. Not, not this week cause they face Liverpool, but, um, you know, Brewster will, I think, help out when he gets going in the goal scoring portion of it, but it they just look like a team that in the end they're just not gonna score goals. They they look like a Fulham, but at the same time Fulham's defense is worse, so you kinda look at it and go, Well, Fulham will give up more. Sheffield I just think are gonna play a lot of these frustrating one nil, two nil, two one, three one. They're just gonna lose these games where the fans are going to go, well, we could have won, but we just don't have anyone that knows how to do the one thing that helps you win a game, and that's put the ball on the back of the net. Um, but their defense is strong enough to make it to where their fans are going to watch for that entire game, knowing that one lucky play is going to get them a draw or a win. So it's just, it looks like it might end up being a really long year unless something changes, maybe a formation change, maybe, maybe Brewster becomes a you know, 15, 20 goal guy, which is probably what they need. And we really have no idea if he can be that at a premier league level, but really, unless something like that happens, I just, I don't see them getting out of the bottom five, maybe not even the bottom three, if it continues this way. Um, any thoughts, Logan, before we move on to palace Brighton or, um, I, uh, Ruben loves his cheek played well. And so did Lookman, which are two acquisitions in the transfer window. Uh, Adarabayo played pretty well defensively, and but it, it's so tough to tell when they're playing against Sheffield United, who look to be in danger of getting relegated. So not really any comments besides Scott Parker is still the most handsome Premier League manager. All right, moving on to Crystal Palace. One, Brighton. Uh, one, that was at 9 o'clock. Uh, Wilfred Zaha, 19 minutes in, gets a penalty for Palace, converts it. Uh, then we wait until the 90th minute for McAllister for Brighton to score. And then 90 plus three, Lewis Dunk gets a red card. Um, so he'll miss at least, uh, what, one game. Uh, any thoughts on this one, Logan? Palace, Brighton? I love Brighton. Uh, um, but they, they, they looked kind of flat. Uh, a weird team to just like. Not a whole lot of action. Yeah, it's weird. I like their defense for some reason. I don't know what it is about it. I, I like Dunk. I like the way that he plays. Uh, but I, when you really, when you watch them, they, they struggled to get anything on the attack. Zaha, you know, the one goal that he hits is a penalty. Um, but both teams were just kind of blah, that, uh, you know, Sunday. So not really much to take away from this other than the fact that they're just, there was actually, there was Lamptey got in a fight with probably the biggest guy on the, the pitch, which was really funny to watch because he's about five foot nothing. So that, I mean, there's a takeaway. There you go. Physicality. Interesting. Uh, Matt, any thoughts on Palace or Brighton before we move on to Tottenham? Uh, Honestly, I didn't see any of the game, um, but really, one-one uh, seems like the correct score between the teams. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I don't really have any any further thoughts on them. All right. So uh, then, at eleven thirty on Sunday, it was Tottenham, which finished three, West Ham three. One minute in. 
Sun scores. Eight minutes in, Harry Kane scores. 16 minutes in, Harry Kane scores. And you're thinking, what happened to West Ham? They were just doing so well, and they're running up against Spurs. And actually, hold on. Uh, I have a uh, some texts here that I got to read. <laughs> Logan and Matt texting back and forth while I'm on my walk during this match saying that uh, Tottenham are the team to beat. Jose doing it again. That was Matthew. Logan. Logan with they score at will. And then that finishes 3-3. <laughs> so <laughs> 82 minutes in, Balbuena scores for West Ham. 85 minutes in, Sanchez own goal. And then 90 plus four, Lanzini with a rocket from way outside the box to make it 3-3 and a draw that really feels like a loss for Tottenham. What do you think, uh, Logan? What What's to blame here? Were, were they lackadaisical? You know, Kane hits a post at one point. Uh, they bring on Bale with 3-0 lead, you know, try to get him some work. But uh, West Ham claws back and they continue their ascendancy for this year. Yeah, and when they brought on Bale, he makes uh, one of those plays in the box that you're so used to seeing him do with the ball at his feet, and he just puts the defender in all sorts of, you know, like a twister, and he turns him around completely, and Bale about scores. So then I'm thinking, gosh, they're going to just blow them right out of (laughs) here. And then West Ham uh, come back and start storming back, and I, I tweeted this. You can actually go find it. I didn't delete it. I said that West Ham scores on a nice set piece, and that was surely a consolation goal, um, but uh, clearly not. Uh, they they didn't think so. At least they must have read the tweet on the sidelines. But the you know the way that they play, I love the way that they play. I like David Moy. He's he's so good, and I think that watching them play, it's really exciting because it's you never know really what to expect. I expected them to come out and just get flattened in the second half, just because they looked so bad and. The way that Kane and Son are playing, I, I don't know who really was going to stop them, but obviously they figured it out and were able to come back and equalize. And then it just it keeps putting cherries on top of this year. Like there is nothing happening that's normal in, in this season. I, I don't know what to expect at this point. I, I think we should just stop doing the predictions and go with some off the wall predictions, like you know Harry Kane's going to start flying around the pitch or something crazy because. That seems about where we are at this point. That's Harry Potter. Oh, that's right. Right. I get them mixed up <laughs> that's with Christian Quidditch. Bale. Totally different I, sport. I get Christian Bale and Gareth mixed up all the time, so you know where my my loyalties is lie. Jose, <laughs> is Jose is Jose Snape? Yes. Is Jose Mourinho Snape in that? Yeah. He seems like a Snape. He is. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He he takes all the credit when it's going well and when it's wrong, it's the student's fault, right? I was watching um, his interview, and Jose was asked by a lady. She he, she goes, so Gareth Bale, because he, he, he avoided the first question about Gareth Bale, and then he goes, she goes, well, Gareth Bale, he made a really nice play there at the end and, and about scores in his debut. How does it feel to have him back at White Hart Lane? And Jose goes, at the beginning you want to talk about him? At the end you want to talk about him? Let's talk about something else, like how West Ham came back and tied it with us. <laughs> I was like, oh. And the lady goes, oh, well then, sorry, thank you for your time. <laughs> and then walk off. I'm like, what a jerk. Uh, I saw a really funny impressionist who did like post game interviews on Twitter for 
acting like Lampard, uh, <laughs> Klopp, Skolskar, and uh, Jose. And he was really funny. He was really good. Um, Lester, nil, Aston Villa won. That was at 2.15 on Sunday. 90 plus one minute, Ross Barkley from on loan from Chelsea scores for Aston Villa. Uh, none of us got this one right. Um, uh, Logan, you got who won right, but all the score lines were way off here, <laughs> which were 2-1 Villa, 3-2 Leicester, and 2-2 draw. So maybe you're right. Maybe we stopped predicting. I'm just kidding. Uh, that's what people want. They, they want us to get stuff wrong. Uh, Monday, October 19th, West Brom, nil, Burnley, nil. That was at 1230. And then... That sounds exciting. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about yeah, all that action. Exciting. Yeah, all that action. It'd take one minute. Uh, Leeds, nil. Wolves, one. 3 p.m. game. Raul Jimenez from my fantasy team scores to give Wolves the win. Uh, none of us had this one right either. Uh, but I do want to take a moment here. I usually root for Leeds at times to have some fun, but I was rooting for Wolves today because... Uh, there's a show called Total Soccer Show, uh, huge here in America, really great at breaking down the games, but uh, they have a host, Daryl Grove, who was diagnosed with stage four cancer in January of last year, and uh, they just now have put him in hospice, stating that he is no, uh, there's nothing more they can do for him, and uh, Wolves is his team, so uh he hugely influential in American soccer fandom uh, over here. They've been really great podcast, um, but it's good to see Wolves win today for that. Uh, let's go, sorry to get dark there, but let's get on to the current top four. Everton still lead in points, seven goal differential. Uh, they've played five matches while Aston Villa's in second with 12 points and they've played uh, four matches, 10 goal differential. Liverpool in third with 10 points, zero goal differential. And Leicester in fourth with nine points and five goal differential. So the top two is pretty much staying the same recently, but these these other uh, these other teams have kind of been starting to shift in and out of the top four here. The current relegation, as I alluded to earlier, Fulham in 20th place with one point minus eight goal differential Sheffield United in 19th place with one point minus five goal differential and Burnley in 18th place with one point and minus five goal differential the current golden boot is Calvert-Lewin with seven goals and and Sun with seven goals so they're still on pace as the the top goal scorers um so let's get into there's games four days of the week coming up here. Friday, October 23rd, which is my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, Mom. Leeds versus Aston Villa. Not that she's listening, but Aston Villa, 3 p.m. on Friday. Predictions, Logan. Leeds versus who? Aston Villa. Okay. Sorry, I heard you wrong. I was like, what the hell? Um, oh, man. I'm going to go with Aston Villa again because that, that seems to do really well for me as pick-wise. And I think that they just keep going because no, why not? Uh, it's 2020. We can 
I think an Aston Villa Premier League championships on the way. Um, I I think that they win it against Leeds. Leeds doesn't play very good defense, so I'm going to go with two to nil Aston Villa. Which means Villa is going to lose now because we're predicting clearly. Uh, but also, uh, I mean, they scored seven against Liverpool. They could probably score seven against Leeds. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, your prediction on Leeds versus Aston Villa. He doesn't like ah, ah. Okay, I'm back. There we go. I was like having trouble. I was reading a, a Twitter thread that I'll actually I'll have to talk about at the end of the show. Not <laughs> even paying attention to our own show. <laughs> well, I saw this thread. <laughs> I'm and kidding. I had to look, but um, geez, with the way this year's going, like initially I probably would have said Leeds, but then Villa sounds good. But then, you know, I also think teams seem to be doing really well coming off of losses. So Leeds sounds bad, you know? Uh, man, I, I'm I'm going to say a draw. I'm going to say 2-2 draw. If I can't decide which one I think could win, I'm just going to say they both. They both deserve a point. All right, and I have Villa 3-2. So they got to lose sometime. That's true. Uh, but I have, uh, yeah, maybe. so maybe, maybe they become the next Invincibles and they break their record for most points in a season. <laughs> that would be fun. Because I tell you, the one thing that, th- that these teams have an advantage of is not having European football. That's very true. Um, which yeah. all of, all of the big teams have. So it's going to be interesting in that regard. Saturday, it's West Ham versus Man City at 730. Fulham versus Crystal Palace at 10 a.m., Manchester United versus Chelsea at 12.30 p.m., and Liverpool versus Sheffield United at 3 p.m., and we are predicting the big one, Manchester United versus Chelsea. Uh, I'm going to go with a boring 1-1 draw here for me. Uh, Matt, Man United versus Chelsea. I must be like a Chelsea believer of some weird kind because <laughs> I think I'm gonna I'm gonna go Chelsea. You know, they're teams with different issues, but Chelsea at least have a potent attack. Um, so I, I I gotta go with the team with the strong who has actually something going for them. Um, so I, I gotta go Chelsea three to two. It'll be a good game. Logan. I'm going to go with a Manchester United implosion, finally. Uh, and I'm talking, like, to the nth degree. Uh, I, I think that Chelsea wins at 5-1. I think that Chelsea absolutely scorches United. And I'm going to say 5. Yeah, that's that's gutsy. But uh, I really do think that United is not going to handle the Chelsea attack very well. If we score 5, we're going to give up, like, four <laughs> no 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 no. what you I don't understand win. is that you're going to play mindy and kappa in goal at the same oh, time that'll be okay yeah, yeah, that's so what we'll, you're we'll, we'll move zuma out of defense right. we'll put kappa in defense yep. and we'll shift him in uh he'll place backup goalkeeper okay correct yep you're right <laughs> sunday october 25th southampton versus everton at 10 a.m wolverhampton versus newcastle at 12 30 p.m and Arsenal versus Leicester at 3.15. And we are predicting Arsenal versus Leicester. I guess I'll go ahead and say Leicester. Uh, 
three, one. Logan. I'm going to say Leicester 3-1 as well, because I think that that is a really good uh, indication of what's going to happen. Matthew. I'm going to go Leicester as well, but I'm only going 1-0. Yeah, I don't see Arsenal doing anything again. And we have Monday, October 26th, Brighton and Hove Albion versus West Bromwich Albion. So we got the two Albions playing against each other. And then we got Burnley versus Tottenham. That's at 4 p.m. I'm guessing maybe they're changing ahead faster than we are. I'm not sure why the time is so different. Um, And let's predict Tottenham versus Burnley. Matt, you're first. I'm going to have to go Tottenham Tottenham 2, Burnley 1. 2-1, Spurs. Um, Logan? I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with 1-0 Tottenham with a Gareth Bale goal. And I have Spurs 5-1. <laughs> Hey, so, hey, whoa, whoa. We'll That's see my goalkeeper in fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you're screwed. Drop him now. Drop him now. Uh, let's go to some Champions League. Let's just highlight some big matches. Uh, Tuesday, which is tomorrow, the day that you're probably listening to this, Chelsea versus Sevilla. Mendy is supposed to be back for that. That's at 3 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, CBS All Access. We got Lazio versus Dortmund. We got PSG versus Man United. That's a big day. Tuesday has a lot of good ones. Uh, Wednesday, October 21st, we get Ajax versus Liverpool at 3 p.m. Bayern Munich versus Atletico. Inter Milan versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. Man City versus Porto. And Olympiacos versus Marseille. That's just some highlighted ones of some of the... There's a lot on Wednesday, actually, that are really good games. Uh, how we will we even know what ones to watch? Uh, there's only two at 12.55, and that is Real Madrid and Shakhtar and Salzburg versus Lokomotiv Moscow. Um, and then the two at 12.55 on Tuesday is uh, Dynamo Kiev versus Juventus, Senate St. Superior versus, versus Club Bruges. I wish they'd split one of these big 3 p.m. ones and put it in the 12.55 because it's going to be hard watching think, all these matches. I think they're only I think they're only at 12.55 because they're in Russia-Ukraine area. Yeah, but I thought before they had split it where there was two timetables for... Um, like two timetables for games now. I thought it was like twelve forty five um, and three o'clock. Yeah, it used to be twelve forty five and then two forty five, I think. Um oh. Thursday, October twenty second, is the Europa League. Let me just see if there's any big matches in this one. You have Arsenal versus Rapid VN, which is not huge, but you know, usually the Europa League doesn't get huge until later. Uh, oh, Celtic first uh, AC Milan. That's a good one. That's also on Thursday at three o'clock. And Leicester City. Rich, we know you're watching that game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hot, uh, t- so let's see. Another English team that has a game is Leicester versus Zoria. And then we have Tottenham Hotspur versus LASK. 
Um, but not a lot of big matches on uh, Arsenal's playing Rapid Vienna. Don't you know who they are? Yeah, I did say that one actually. No, my friend had a Rapid Vienna jersey when in high school. Well, then then they'll win, right? Rapid Vienna will win. Yeah, yeah they win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of those games at twelve forty five, twelve fifty five, and some of those games at three o'clock on October twenty second. All those should be on CBS All Access as well. Woo! So we got a lot of soccer coming up. Uh, let me just plug in some stuff here as well. I have, and then we'll get to Matt's thread that he was just talking about. But I should be recording today or tomorrow uh, a new stateside soccer show. We did just have Todd Lewis of the Free Kick Podcast, Philadelphia Union Fan Podcast, on the show. And we talked about uh, the Brendan Aronson move um, from Philadelphia to uh, Red Bull Salzburg. And uh, I, I will be talking about all of this Supporter Shield drama that's been going on in MLS. I'll get into that on this next episode. And we're going to recap the weekend games and the USL championship playoffs that happened. Uh, so it's going to be fun. But it's just me this week. No guests so far. Um, Matt, you said you had a thread that you wanted to share. Yeah, so I, I obviously I don't know how true reports are but this came out while we were um recording but there's a liverpool account and they are quoting i don't know how legit legitimate they are it's mail online sport is the the news uh article that they're kind of going about here but the thread it says here that merseyside derby bar referee didn't know he could give Pickford a red card. The VAR in charge of Saturday's controversial Merseyside Derby did not check for a red card after forgetting rules state he could review the incident despite the offside in the buildup. He initially th- he thought the offside, which he checked forensically, nullified what happened afterwards. Liverpool insiders say that they were told on Saturday that he was too distracted by offside to check, and that's why he didn't look for the red card. Don't know how true that is. Um, but you know, at this point, it seems like we can't find we. There hasn't been a definitive answer whether or not they did check for it because initially there was, now there was, then there wasn't. You know, now they they again haven't looked at it. But yeah, it would be, I, even Arlo it, White, who was commentating for NBC Sports, he said he was told during the course of the game that they did not check for uh the red card, and then after the game, people were saying they did. So. It, even VAR and uh, the FA can't get their story straight on exactly what happened. And at that point, it's just a little bit sad that people don't know the. I understand why we don't know the rules, but the people who get paid to enforce the rules should 100% know the rules. And I will say there there should be some transparency here. So one thing I talked about on my show, uh, the stateside soccer show on over the weekend was uh, back in the day, and by back in the day, I mean this summer during MLS's back, and Logan, you might be able to speak to this if you watched, uh, you saw some of that tournament. Uh, when they did VAR checks, they broadcast, they broadcast it like the discussion between the VAR ref and the center ref, and it was very informative. We got to hear exactly why the call was being made, what was being changed, etc., Well, Grant Wall, uh, formerly of Sports Illustrated, was tweeting about that yesterday and said that the feds of like FIFA, 
the executives of FIFA were against that. And that is why that has not happened again in MLS this season at all. And really, I don't know why you'd be against that. I think if it's transparent and you have somebody and you can hear it on the camera, uh, like on the TV, like what, why they're calling this. Oh, I'm calling it here because it looks like his part of the arm that's now part of the handball rule is offsides. Then we'll understand that without having to look up rules on Twitter. We won't have to look up Dale Johnson's VAR threads, you know, like, it would just be so much more straightforward. Uh, I don't know why FIFA would have a problem with that and why they told MLS to cut it out because it was very informational. And at least we were able to respect some of those conversations. And we wouldn't have these questions now of, okay, did they check or did they not check? Because we would have heard it. Yeah, it's a form of like responsibility, I think, too. I mean, it's their job. That's what they're talking about. They clearly should know the rules. And if somebody doesn't know the rules, then they should be called on it. I mean, I don't get why FIFA always seems to try to pull the curtains on people almost as if they're Oz and be like, nope, there's nobody behind there. You don't need to look. Um, it just seems sketchy to me. Like, it just seems like there's some back room discussions that shouldn't be happening. Maybe that's why the transparency is knocked out because they feel like they might say something that, that gives them away. I don't know. This is, it's dumb. I hate it. And I think it's really dumb because if a league is wanting to do it, they should allow them to do it. Like, I, I, I think right. that's stupid that right. they would stop a league that wants to be transparent from being transparent just because they're a corrupt organization. Well, I think that about brings us to the end of our show. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Stop It Show. Uh, if you want to follow Stateside Soccer Show, that's on Stateside Show. So they're kind of like the same sort of handle. Uh, Facebook.com slash Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Email us at Stoppage Time Show at gmail.com. Instagram us at Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Um, I guess we'll recap, uh, you know, next week. We'll, we'll probably take a look at that first week of Champions League games, um, at least how they affect the English team, since this is kind of affecting, you know, our main show is about the EPL. But, you know, some of the big results we can probably go over as well. And then we'll look at the results from the weekend um, as well. So hopefully you guys enjoyed the show. Have a great rest of your week. We'll catch you all next time. Kane has stolen it at the death! That's what he's there for! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show and listen to us recap the English Premier League from our perspective. We'll also be talking some Champions League and any other leagues that impact world soccer.